0: Independent researchers, skeptics, and all of humankind. Shadow Citizen. Shadow Citizen will explore the shadows of an alternate reality. Your hosts, Rachel L. McIntosh.
1: the end always cracks me up. Hi, gang. I'm back. It's Rachel L. McIntosh, host of Shadow Citizen. And tonight, I'm really, once again, just ecstatic to have this guest with us. After the blast stint of guests we've had, we've had people talking about things that are highly just, you get off listening to this in, these interviews going, that just ain't right. And you want to do something, but you don't know what to do. And this woman that's on tonight, her name is Mary Baker, and she wrote up a wrote a book. It's called Citizen Ninja: Stand Up to Power. And in 2013, she launched a workshop and she had, since then she's taught over 800 citizens how to partic- participate in civic processes effectively and also how to engage in civil discourse because since this past election, I don't know if you've noticed, but People have a really hard time talking to each other just like normal human beings. And she's going to walk us through that and then to walk us through maybe dealing with state legislatures, even committees, like let's say school committees, state legislatures, then maybe going to Congress and dealing with them, and then maybe in something like going to the U.N. So I was so impressed when I saw this book. I said, I've got to get her on this show. She's got to talk to the audience of Shadow Citizen because we're always talking about things that are just so disheartening. And people... You want to feel like you could maybe do something, but you don't know how. So I, I'm so happy. Mary, thank you for coming on the show tonight.
0: Hey, Rachel. I am so happy and honored to be here. Thanks for inviting me. All right. So why don't you start us off how you
1: got the idea to do this, because this looks like it was fairly recently, 2013. And well, then take us through how you yeah. got this idea and then take us all the way through what
0: Okay. Um Well, you know, I'm, um I actually, just a little bit of my background, I grew up in Europe. I was born in the United States, but I grew up in Europe. And from the age of five to 13, I lived in a Francophile environment. And when we moved back um in 1977, I had like a complete culture shock. And in many ways, I think had... A, an immigrant experience where I had to really leave behind the European persona and adapt to this new American culture. Um, and in that process, really make the decision to become a patriot. It wasn't ingrained into me as a young child because I was in Europe. I was in French-speaking schools. And so over the years, I made the choice to become a patriot. And actually, I didn't even start off in communications or political science or anything like that. And people often wonder, how the heck did you get from there to, to now? Yeah. And, um well, I do tell a really cool story in the book about how I became a patriot. And, of course, it has to do with a baseball game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But what I had to do, what I saw that I had in common, uh, what was in common was that I was constantly stepping out of my comfort zone. And to become an activist, that's really what you have to do, and that's, what I became compelled, I saw what was going on around me. Things were changing, uh, especially planning paradigms were changing around me. It was going to a lot of high density uh, building. And there were all these new terms being thrown around like smart growth and new urbanism. And I had no idea what that was all about. And so there was a, a meeting in San Diego uh, on this topic. I went, I got primary source information and sort of learned about about these things. And one of the panelists there, he was talking to everyone and he said, hey, you know, you really need to get a seat at the table so you can have an influence. And then he said, if you're not at the table, you're what's for dinner, <laughs> Wow. And, yeah, that, that's yeah, real. That's real right there. Okay. Yeah. That was just a stunning statement. And I realized that, holy cow, I guess I better engage uh, in, in in a more um, effective way. I need to really get involved at the early stages. And so when I did that, though, I noticed that the citizens were not engaging. Mm-hmm. And when they were engaging, they were super emotional. Mm-hmm. and not getting anywhere. No one was listening to them because they were irate or they were crying. And then furthermore, when I went to public workshops, no, practically no citizens were there uh, giving their input. And what was there in their place were stakeholder groups who all had a stake in the plan, you know, being approved. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay. And furthermore, if and I went to one of these meetings, and when I presented uh, my opinion, and it wasn't in favor of the plan, I was then bullied, marginalized, told to shut up, sit down. You're delaying the meeting. I mean, it was crazy. And so I just thought, um, this is not this is not a government of by and for the people, right here. This is governance by stakeholder groups and experts, and this isn't going to fly. This isn't what our country is built on. So um, so that's kind of what pushed me. And over time, I just dove in and I developed these field tested uh, techniques mm-hmm. and landed on uh, James Madison's Four Civic Virtues, which really became the foundation for everything, and then just went for it. I created the I created the workshop. It's a full day workshop. I took it all around. I mean, in one year, over 800 people, that's, that was the how much of a demand there was for this. And it I was bet. through that process that I, that a publisher found me. And she said, if you write the book, I'll publish it. And so here we are today. And now I'm doing webinar series so oh, that good, I can. good, good. We got to talk yeah. about those. How do we go yeah, to yeah, that? Yeah. Well, at
1: the end, at the end of the whole thing okay. we'll tell people how to get to that because I'm going to jump on one of those for
0: sure. Good. So this is that, that's kind of the story in brief. How, wow. I, and, and, you know, it's very uh, relatable because I'm just a regular person, Right. just like you, who, mm. who uh, had a calling and just stepped out of her comfort zone and went and figured it out and did it. And, and now I'm really, uh, I've become a role model for others that they can do it too. It can be done.
1: Right, right. I like on your website, it says, who would enjoy becoming a a citizen ninja? And we've got, I'm going to just read the list because I want to hear, if see if my listeners resonate with any of these. And I bet you they will. It's a long list of people. Are you a patriot, an activist, survivalist, a rabble rouser, political science teacher, a researcher, independent minded, a baby boomer, civic leader, college student being bullied for having a different a different opinion. It's divergent from the majority opinion. Are you a parent concerned about public school policies Who do, and you don't know how to communicate with your committee, school committee? Um, property, property owners whose rights are being violated by decisions made by elected councils or planning boards and commissions? Neighbors, families, and friends, and coworkers who want to engage in civil discourse, but you just can't because it's been all blown to bits recently. Um, what about if you're a beginner citizen activist because you heard about something that you just thought was so disgusting, and you want to get involved, but you're afraid, you don't know what to do. What do you say to your representative? What? How does this work? What about activists who want to stand up to powerful government agencies such as the UN? Councils, boards, commissions, and political bullies. And I bet you there's people in my audience that are right now going, yeah, I could, I that's me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, citizen ninjas are the people who respond to community issues. mm -hmm. They um, are people who pay attention to government business. They read the agendas. They've developed personal relationships with their council or with their representatives, whether it's school board or council or planning or whatever it is. Um, They are people who um, support one another. They it's really a metaphor for activists who employ powerful non-traditional techniques to reclaim the power of self-government in the world of politics. And they realize they are the power, not the power that they think, like the UN, for example. The, these government agencies, these stakeholder groups, government agencies, non, non-governmental agencies that are very heavily funded and and select uh, corporations, we they are really just entrenched dominant power, and when when the citizens realize that they are the power, it everything changes. It's a total change in in um, perception. Um, so yeah, the citizen ninja persona is a much easier persona to take than just the term activist. Right. Yeah. Especially Yeah, because look at what we're seeing in the news today. We're seeing people you know, Antifa or Black Lives Matter and yeah, yay good for them. They're out there, you know, doing their thing. But is that, that is not the way the majority of Americans want to behave and they stay away from it. That's sort Mm -hmm. of extreme behavior and that is not really the persona that Americans want to embrace. And so what do they do? They stay home because, wow, I don't want to do that. That's Mm -hmm. in your face. That's a Aggressive. That's violent. Um, I don't want to do that. And so, citizen ninja offers a different way to engage. And yeah, wait, wait, there's no nunchucks involved, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, I say like like a ninja warrior has an arsenal of weapons to use. Mm-hmm. Citizen ninjas have an arsenal of choices. They have an arsenal of techniques. They are strategic. They are. They know uh, when to engage and when not to engage. They have self-restraint. These are some of the the civic virtues that I mentioned by James Madison. Right, right. Um, those are civic knowledge, self-restraint, self-assertion, and self-reliance. And those traits are. Um, well, they were a little bit different from when he was talking about them. And what I've done is I've turned them into citizen ninja powers mm-hmm. because those are our powers. so for for James Madison, civic knowledge was education excellence. In other words, you, you you needed to be literate in order to be able to read what the laws say, you know, and so you could understand your rights. The self-restraint was, um, excellence in prudence, because without it, then citizens would have to rely on the government to tell them what to do, right? So you had to be prudent about your choices. Um, self-assertion is the excellence in fortitude to stand up and fight for um, for citizens' rights, even in the face of adversity, just like they did, you know, the Minutemen did in the revolution. And self-reliance is individual excellence. Citizens who are independent and responsible can accept the consequences of their actions, good or bad, right? Because we should have the liberty or the freedom to make those choices and who then take care of themselves and then extend compassion and charity to, uh, to their community. So the way I switch them over to powers is that civic knowledge is knowing the pertinent rules and laws and understanding your civic rights within that framework. That has not changed. And it's amazing when you have that knowledge, you then can push back because you know, when you see something going on, let me give you an example. Yeah, please do. So, okay. So, uh, here in the San Diego Unified School District at the end of one of their meetings the the count, the board there are five of them voted 5 to 0 to dump their district emails off the server after 1 year oh my goodness well the next day they had 3 lawsuits right away and the reason is because that's completely against the law. You can't do that. That's basically just dumping evidence. There are tons of people, journalists, and including where I'm actually part of a lawsuit against them right now for a policy, an unfair policy that they um, that they had wanted to implement. Well, we have all these open records requests waiting. We're t- we're waiting to get information from them. Well. If you're going to dump your emails after a year, you're getting rid of valuable information that's public information. It's not really your information. So there's an example of understanding what the laws say so you can push back. And, um, it's sometimes corrupt politicians, they, um, almost expect you to be uninformed. Right. Well, well, if you're informed, well, then they can't get away with stuff. So the more the more civic knowledge the citizenry has, the more they will stay in the right lane.
1: <laughs> okay, good. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. What um, happens though when um let's say your it's one thing about corruption, it's another thing altogether when your people that are in the positions of power just don't even understand the rules that the laws that are they're supposed to be
0: enforcing. Or they just ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Or they twist them around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, but that's exactly why it's important for the citizenry. I mean, the citizens need to think of themselves as the bosses of the public servants, right? Right. The public servants are really the employees. We voted them in. We gave them consent to govern for us, not over us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when they do their business, it's the people's business. It's right. not their business. They're just doing it on our behalf because we've given them consent to do so. And so the citizens, therefore, need to be proactive in uh, understanding what the laws say, what the codes are, for example, and and so that they can um, push back when they are deviating from from
1: from them you know what i see as being a problem i'll just tell you what i think it is too is that people see the problem it's presented to them on the news they see something like that just isn't right but then it gets to the point where whoa there's a lot of research i have to do to figure out what the rule is they're actually breaking and it's easier to go paint a sign and march around with a sign in a protest and that's great because it raises awareness to how you feel about something but is it effective in getting what you want actually done and that's that's where i think people have they have to make that leap to like they've got to kind of invest some of themselves into researching
0: they do like, but so The greatest power we have is actually at the local level, and everyone always wants to focus on national and even state. I mean, in the state of California, it's so huge. It takes me hours to get to the capital. In smaller states, you know, it's different. Oh, yeah. I'm could. i
1: in Rhode Island. I could (laughs) ah, almost hit the state capital, so go ahead.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like the opposite. Um, I always said, you know, if they build that bullet train, they're going to regret it because we're going to have faster access to Sacramento that we had before. Right? They, so will, they will regret it. <laughs> but so the greatest power we have is at the local level, first of all. Why? Because it's the closest to us. We can get to know the candidates. We can get to know the public servants who are in office. We can get to know the staff that works for them. And we can develop our influence, our credibility, we can develop lasting dialogue, communication, and when we do those things, it allows us then to get that seat at the table, at the early decision making table. Mm-hmm. You suddenly now get to be the one of the stakeholders, you know, right. who mm. is engaging. So, so, and, and just back to the whole research thing, every state has transparency laws. Or they're sometimes called sunshine laws. And those laws typically are very much on the side of the citizen. Because like I said before, this is our business, the public business. And so everything they do has to be transparent and in front of the public. And um, it doesn't take a long time to read through those. And they will have law, uh, transparency laws uh, for councils and boards and commissions. I mean, all of it, anything that is public, there are laws that say that even if it's inefficient, even if it takes a long time and there has to be a long public deliberation on something, It has to benefit the public and and in claiming that it's inefficient for government is a false claim. They can't claim that because it's the public's business. So if you're if you just check up, you know, your listeners, just look up what those transparency laws are. It will tell you how the meetings should be run, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do, what the citizens' rights are. And once you know those, I mean, that covers a lot. That that really covers a lot. And, and you can go in there with confidence, knowing that you are operating within the rules and and, you know, your rights. So, you know, okay. then there's the topics, right? That's yeah. a whole different thing. It's okay. the
1: topics yeah i here's here's one i want to just ask if we could pull it back even a couple steps backwards and if somebody is they they did their march and they made their sign and they went but now they're like okay i want to see something effective happen what's the very first thing you do the very first thing you you recommend going to talk to your elected person right in your district and take take us somebody through really gently their very first touching of government
0: so it actually goes it goes uh, citizen ninja in the book that i wrote yeah. is a very i'm taking you back to basics right and most people don't do that. Most authors of civic activism or any kind of activism, they're getting to a higher level, but you actually won't even be that successful unless you go back to the basics and it starts with managing your emotions.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good point. Good point. You go flying in there, screaming your
0: head off. It's not going to work. So talk us through that. Yeah. So, um, So you have to be able to manage your emotions. Now, many of us, and I'm going to speak kind of for the majority, there are plenty of people that have, you know, like fighting fire with fire and they have no problem giving someone a piece of their mind, but that's not most people. And I'm, I'm like, I'm not, I um, don't like confrontation. So You know, part part of part of why I did this was sort of selfish. You know, like I'm self preservation. I don't want to be bullied. You know, Um, I don't want to waste my time. Um, I want to be. I want to make a difference. So I want to be efficient and streamlined. You know, so some of these things definitely start with sort of sort of that selfish motivation. But anyway, so many people don't like confrontation. They're afraid of. They have fears of that of what keeps them from talking and expressing themselves. And speech can be several things. It can be spoken. It can be written. It can be videos or photos, right? There are different ways that we can communicate, but most people are afraid to put it out there. So why? First, we have to address that. And in the book, I have a whole technique for how you do it. It's actually, and I'm not a psychologist, trust me, but my publisher is. (laughs) And so she helped me, you know, I sort of had the, the, a sense of how to do it because I did it myself, but she had the actual like literal, you know, this is what you do. Like the scientific. Yeah, the lingo for it. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. Um but so it's but what it is is you have to go back to a time when you had a negative experience when you spoke out and you shared an opinion about something. And it doesn't necessarily have to be politics, you know, it could it could be anything. Like um, a rude mom, you know, and you decided to be quiet because you were too afraid, you know, to, to say something, uh, whatever it is. So you go back to kind of that negative experience where you were afraid to express yourself or maybe it just didn't go so well and realize that you have this negative chatter in your mind that goes on and you have to become mindful of what that chatter is. Then what you do is you go back there. And with a piece of paper in you very uh, gently, um, thoughtfully, try to go back to the very moment and, dis- and figure out what it was that you were thinking and what is that negative chatter and write that down. And then you uh, begin to, re- to insert in their place of that negative chatter, positive chatter, positive words. And it, because your fear is a fight or flight, it's it's a really good instinct, right? We don't fear is a good thing to have, but you have to be able to manage it so that it doesn't keep you from doing things you know you want to do. So you anyway, the book kind of gives it a little bit more detail. But yeah, you that's want to that's pretty
1: interesting. I didn't realize we'd be going into this, but yeah, you got to kind of visualize things, take yourself back, get to the core of the issue. Wow, this I didn't
0: realize. OK, good. Yeah. That's good. You Got it. I mean, that's how basic this is, right? Because we we, and I had to go through it myself, Yeah. you know, because I was terrified of speaking, uh, even just speaking in the public, you know. But I was so compelled. I had so much conviction um, that I had to get this information out mm-hmm. that I just, you know, I just I did it. I stepped out of that comfort zone. But um, but there is a process you can go. And it doesn't mean that it goes away. <laughs> every time, you know, I'm in a vulnerable situation, maybe it's at a at a public workshop where I know I am the minority. I, you know, this fear creeps in a little bit of anxiety, but now I know how to channel it. So right then and there, boom, I get through it and now I can act mm-hmm. and I can decide. So that's the first thing is you've got to manage your um, got to manage your emotions. Right. Um, So then I have a series of of techniques, um, you know, that that I teach. And one of them is so let me start with this. I have a primer, a primer that you can just stick in your back pocket. It's an acronym face, F-A-C-E, how to face the public successfully. So F is for facts. You've got to have facts. A is for awareness and assessing. So you need to be aware of the environment that you're operating in, and then you need to assess whether or not to engage, and whether you're going to have high impact versus negative impact when you engage. Then uh, C is for conviction. We have to have something that motivates us, some sort of hot button issue that gets us out into the public square. E is for equip. Like I said earlier, you want an arsenal of choices. So you want to be equipped with that um, so that you know what techniques you're going to use in a particular situation. And then the P, P, S, public successfully, or face the public successfully. P is for prepare. In other words, get training, be prepared. If you're going to give a three-minute comment, write it down. Don't just go up there and speak off the cuff. You have three precious little minutes to get your point across. Write it down. Right. So be prepared and then speak. You have to speak because our silence is our tacit agreement to everything that's going on. So that's kind of a primer. Facts, Mm -hmm. awareness and assess, conviction, equip, prepare and speak. And if you stick that in your back pocket right today, you're 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 on your way uh to being more effective uh with with your activism
1: right on yeah. i have it, i've i just wrote it down i've got i always keep a notebook and i you should see this notebook mm-hmm. right now just from you speaking i've got all this stuff down all right so that's the very beginning of this whole journey people can go on and it i'm imagining it gets more and more exciting as you start to see results
0: Yes, it really does, because you are being effective. You're protecting yourself because you're using discernment. So that was that other power. One of the most important powers is the um, is self restraint. Mm-hmm. Self restraint for that power is discerning the environments, situations, and people and issues before engaging. Mm-hmm. So. You know, if you're engaging in the public square, it's usually already pretty provocative. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. people are disagreeing. okay? so and, and there can be heightened emotion because people are passionate about their side. And so this kind of awakens this emotional beast in us. You know, we just want to go and do something, you know. But the art of discernment in the public square is what separates citizen ninjas from a regular activist. And self-restraint is just, it's a really transformative thing. Um, sometimes our passion or, you know, our strong beliefs on an issue boils so hot, we forget ourselves when we speak. We're just like, right. see red like a dog, you know. We come off, and, and when we do this, we come off as being really too extreme or self-righteous, unreasonable, and definitely emotional. Mm -hmm. So having the perception or the discernment, the awareness of the environment that we're in, of who we're speaking to, having that self-discipline to stop, have that self-restraint to observe in those situations helps our self-control so that our message is shared in a way that will be heard. So instead of reacting, we are thoughtfully responding. and. Yeah, and so this this is where you become effective. And I'm this thinking is where of, you yeah, build your credibility.
1: Right, yes, and I think this is true. I'm thinking right now, I'm just picturing I remember last Thanksgiving. It was during <laughs> I mean, the as an example. Two thousand sixteen. And honest to God, it was it was the weirdest Thanksgiving ever because of that this last election and it, when take us through because sometimes is it just better to just shut up and just <laughs> yeah you know, and is that is that a losing situation or like and you're going into these political arenas though you can't just shut up so but you you have to at certain times so tell me how to deal like because these people are your neighbors they're not necessarily your enemies they're your neighbors on, right. if you're in yeah. a local area you yeah. want to be. In a community with them, a working community. Same thing with a family. You want to be, you love these people. You used to at least, and you, <laughs> and you want to have it a working, sustainable family situation. So yeah, or a work colleague. Yeah, yeah, yeah somebody exactly. So you have so, to work with. Yeah, tell me about how people should handle that.
0: So one of the one of the techniques is something I call pegging to peg someone. And I developed this actually as a speaker because at the end of my speech, people would ask me questions and I wanted to be able to answer in a way that would be the best for that person asking the question. And I kind of, I put people into four categories and I was basically what I was doing was pegging them. And based on the question they were asking informed me on whether they were uninformed people on -hmm. the topic, informed on the topic, misinformed or partisan. So uh, so what I did was I developed this technique that we that citizen ninjas could use to determine who are they speaking with? You know, are they informed, basically agree with me? Uh, informed like I am, maybe shades of difference, you know, but, but generally speaking, we, are sharing similar values and, and we're informed and, and maybe we each have different facts, but it all goes together, right? So the informed group, um, where you can be, when you peg an informed person, you can be very open. You, you can go deep, far and wide on Mm -hmm. on any topic okay then the next group the uninformed group when you peg an uninformed person they um don't necessarily disagree with you but they just don't have a lot of information and typically what happens uh is someone goes wait you don't know about that oh and then they just the gush opens you know the big hose. And they just drown them in two seconds, you know, with all this information. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So an uninformed person, you just want to inform gradually on the topic, you know, give them resources to go to so they can do their own research, etc. And then eventually they graduate to the informed, you know, mm-hmm, place. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's the misinformed person. And you have to be careful with the misinformed because sometimes the, the the best one, the best misinformed go, oh, my gosh, you're kidding me. All this time, I thought it was this, but clearly you're right. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Yeah, you're barely, you barely so never. I'll just
1: say you barely ever bump into those people. No, I know.
0: But you do bump into this one. Here we go. What? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you don't know what you're saying. You're just a sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Right. They're super defensive. They don't yeah. want to know anything different than what they think they know. They're basically misguided on their facts. Although I have to say, they will look at you the same way. Right. They will think yes. you're the one misguided on your facts. Right. right. And what if? Yeah, But here's the thing, Mary. But what if you are? Well, what, I mean, what does it a turn person, out? Well, a citizen ninja hopefully isn't misguided on their facts, right? Because we need to know our facts. They need to be vetted. We need to have primary source information, okay. um, definitely. And if we're getting secondary sourcing, then we're that's all vetted information. So we're never pumping out misinformation. Okay. Um, yeah. So if you're a citizen ninja, you are definitely know your facts. But then it so if you, if you run into a misinformed person who, you know, they're just maybe listening to, um, uh, headlines, you know, right. but they, and they just maybe some talking points, right? then, then you get them to go a little bit deeper and then things start falling apart, but they don't care because they're emotional about it mm-hmm. and they just want to believe what they want to believe in. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the way you manage that is to, um, just really, and, and this answers your question and it goes with the partisan too. Let me finish with partisan and then I'll talk about those two because the partisan person is the one who's completely opposite from you. Right. And it, you know, it's like, it's like me and a communist, you know, I am never going to become a communist. So don't mm-hmm. even try to convince me. It's not going to, it's not going to happen. So, um, so with both of those people, and, and and anyone you talk to, when you're engaging in political discourse, the first thing you you want to you you want to not do, and I don't like telling people what not to do, but sometimes it's good for a contrast. Um, the first thing is you're not trying to convince them of your position because as soon as you try to convince somebody of your position and that this is the position they should hold a wall will get built mm-hmm. and the communication is over and they get into a defensive posture and the goal of a citizen ninja is to have communication is sharing of ideas so you so when you engage with somebody who's a partisan or misinformed You are not trying to change their mind. And this is amazing. I mean, when you go into a conversation, what that does is, number one, it makes you listen. Not listen to respond, just to listen to learn what their position is. And it's amazing when people feel like that's what your goal is, to learn what their position is, and to be able to understand it, then they will be happy to hear what your position is, as long as it's presented in a way that's not trying to convince the other person. And what happens is when you get to that place, the citizen ninja then is working is, first of all, adapting his or her language. So just like a Japanese person has a hard time communicating with a French person, you know, if you can speak Japanese, it's going to go a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) And Mm -hmm. culture is inherently linked to language. So, So if we think of language not in terms of foreign languages and idioms and dialects, but we think of language in terms of culture, the um, an environmentalist, a capitalist, a um, a planner, a whatever, you know, whatever their area is. They have a bias. They have a prejudice. That's OK. You then need to understand how to adapt your language so you can have a conversation and a sharing of ideas. You look for what you have in common. And you build from there. Then what happens is trust begins to build. And, you know, they always say never talk about politics and religion and social situations. Well, I think that's really hurt us because how can we progress and advance as a society if we can't share ideas in a civil way? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's how you deal. So you're not trying to change their minds. You're, and and I also talk about um, educating people directly versus indirectly. Sometimes it's better not to go direct at a person. You know, sometimes maybe you just have a side conversation over here where you're sharing information and they're mm-hmm. eavesdropping and can hear it. But because you're not being direct, they're less defensive and more willing to maybe listen to what you're saying.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty sneaky. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I mean, that's but, the like, ninja who's on his side, side, side of his feet and he's in this like pose on the side.
0: I got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right, that brings me to the next thing. So one of the things that's really important, one of the techniques is to operate in zones of awareness. Most of us just sort of walk around and, and I got this, actually, this idea from a self-defense guy. Um, he was actually a veteran from the Vietnam War. And these are some of the techniques they used while they were walking through the jungle. and it was super intense. And um, he kind of translated that into self-defense for women in particular. And when my daughter was traveling to Europe by herself when she was 18, she was going to visit friends of mine back over there from my childhood. Um, i put her through this, this course, this kind of one-on-one with this guy. Well, the first two out, the first hour of the two hour session, we just sat on a park bench talking about awareness because that's the first best self-defense is to be aware of your environment. And most people operate in what he called condition white, you know, what I call the blue zone, which is the resting place. Well, like you're at home is your resting zone where you can say what you want and you're not going to get attacked for it. Hopefully, if you're living in a healthy environment, um, that resting place is, you know, a place with your friends who are all kind of informed the way that you are. You're relaxed, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where most people operate all the time when they really should be moving to the next zone which is the assess zone where uh, I use an example in the book of being at the grocery store because that's kind of a universal experience. You go to the grocery store and if you're in the blue zone, you're just got your head down. You've got your list. You're you know, you're looking at everything uh, for what you want. You're not really paying attention. you know, that's sort of the blue zone but then what happens when you bump you you suddenly bump into somebody or let's say maybe you you know who they are and you don't really want to talk to them because you only have 10 minutes and you know that they're gonna keep you there for 30 minutes to talking your ear off and if you'd only been in the assess zone you would have noticed they were there and you would have chosen a different aisle <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> So that assess zone in politics and in political discourse, you know, when you're in the public square, that assess zone um, is really important because you've got your head on a swivel and you're paying attention to what's going on and who's around you, and you're also looking for opportunities to engage just a little chance conversation maybe at the checkout counter when you see a headline, you know, on, on the time magazine or, you know, something else. And you kind of want to know, you know, what does this person think about this? You know, Mm -hmm. it's your chance to maybe ask a little question and plant a seed. You know, that's what citizen ninjas do. We're trying to, we're really trying to develop sustaining activism, activism that's done on a daily habit, not Mm -hmm. like super intense, you know, but just a little bit, just engaging with the public on topics, getting them to talk about it, think about it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so at the grocery store, if you're in the yellow zone, then you're ready for the next zone, which is the engage zone. Mm-hmm. Now you're ready to engage. Um, so how many, I'm sure your listeners, I think we can all relate to this, you're at a party, you know, like, okay, I, it happened to me. <laughs> So we, we can all relate. Go ahead, Mary. Go, okay, go. All right. Okay. So we're, I'm at a wine tasting party Naturally, and it's, sure. it's just a bunch of neighbors, you know, and I don't know them all, you know, but we're friendly, you know, we, we look out for each other, but I don't know their politics, right? And I don't really care to know. But so, so here we are, we're at a wine tasting party and someone asks me about my remodel, my remodeling. Well, that's like an easy question, right? Yeah. And um, I'm in my blue zone. I'm at a wine tasting party. Like, why would I be in my assess zone? Right. So I'm in my blue zone. And then one thing leads to a next. And within three minutes, we went from remodeling to animals have rights. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Which which I just was like, I was completely unprepared for that topic of conversation. And it's that moment where, you know, your blood drains, your, your hair goes up on your back. If you have hair, (laughs) it's just like, you just, your heart starts racing. You're like, Oh my God, I am not prepared for this conversation. And then you bumble along. Maybe you say something you regret because you're just not prepared. Mm -hmm. And, and you had some wine. And you had some wine. Yes. And you had some wine. And so if, If in that situation, I had been in the assess zone, then or quickly shifted, like once, you know, I could see the conversation moving, I had shifted to an assess zone, then in when I spoke and went to my engage zone, I would have said, you know, let's go and have coffee to talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. I, and, you know, it allows you to just smoothly get away from it, and if you want, follow up and now develop your ideas and your thoughts about that topic, whatever it is. So they're that's
1: just an a, yeah, that's excellent because you're in your that's excellent. I love that because you are you're like in a party mood. You're in, you're got your wine going. You're talking to people. All of a sudden, somebody comes up and they want to talk about a political party or rights of animals or whatever that's not it's almost like they're trying to do some sort of citizen ninja thing on you but you got trapped so it's not ninja it's not stealthy enough to be an actual ninja it's somebody that's just they just want to talk about this and yeah. so you're being kind enough to to recognize that's important to this person say, yeah, that's, yeah, I'd, I'd like to talk to you about that, but hey, let's go have some more, more, more or whatever. Oh, check out this cheese over here. This is good. You know, so, but I'll talk to you over it. We'll have coffee. I think that's a really kind thing to do. I think that's a good thing to do. I'll try that sometime.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it works. And what it does is when you do things like this, it just puts you in control. You know, it allows you to to get out of situations you're not comfortable with, and it also makes you decide what convert, what, what, uh, to engage in, you know, Mm -hmm. do I want to go there? Is it worth it? I mean, you know, some people will, they'll just, um, you know, maybe an opportunity would be at a gas station. They talk about gas taxes, you know, and fees or whatever, or, you know, drill baby drill, or you know, uh, against fracking or whatever it is that your position is. And, they just sometimes think that being an activist or being sort of forthright about your opinions kind of gives them license to be rude and provocative. And when they do this, they kind of fail to, to, to realize that their approach is just going to not be the impact They want. It's not going to be the right kind of impact. So you get someone at a gas station, uh, you know, who's like a pretty gung ho about their opinions on things and wants, you know, wants to kind of rile things up. Well, is that is that really the best approach, or is it better to just maybe ask a question? So that's one of the techniques in order to peg a person is to ask a question, and when based on how they answer that informs you a little bit into one of those four categories I just talked about. Um, But let's say they go to a gas station and they start talking, they, I don't know, they start talking about something totally unrelated to gasoline. Well, that's just, that's just, like makes it irrelevant. Like how does this work together? You know, and people just look at you like what the hell? Why are you, why are you bringing that up? You know, they go on talk to you. You know, so you just have to make choices about when is the right time to engage and when isn't. And you know what? Sometimes it's actually dangerous to engage. in where you could risk your life, you could risk your business, your reputation. Uh you could go to jail. You know what I mean? You could lose your yes. job. Mm-hmm. So there are times when it is absolutely not the right time to engage, and you have to make all of those decisions. And and so this approach just allows you this thoughtful, strategic approach. Uh, it protects you. You know, you, you don't suddenly find yourself in a corner fighting off bullies.
1: You know. Right. 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 Okay. So now we've got our people who are a little more aware of their surroundings they know they know how to peg the people um what if now they're going out to meet their elected officials or talking to them at on a personal level making friends with them basically this is like networking at this point if people are familiar with networking at their office because i used to have to do that all the time go to that cocktail party and just get get business cards from all these people and then put them in the database or whatever. So, but you want to have a good impression of them to have a good impression of you. And you, this is what you as a, I'm thinking as a citizen ninja, you're going to go and make friends with your elected officials. Now I'm going to jump way ahead and we're going to talk more about this in the next hour. Cause right now we're very at this basic level, but I'm worried about what if, we're talking currently about things that are in public domain. And what if it's something like a project? I'm just going to throw this one out there, but there's other ones out there, too, that are in the same category, like the geoengineering stuff that's going on. A lot of that stuff is not easily, it's, it's been buried on purpose. And then there's a lot of disinformation that comes out. So that's why I asked. Maybe you are not not informed, but you said, "Yeah, I'm I'm a citizen journalist." But maybe, maybe, what I'm getting at is, what if it's it's difficult? What if it's something that's difficult to peg down when you're trying to confront? Well, does, that make, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I mean, there are topics that are very tough to manage at the local level. I yeah. mean, United Nations, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030. Yeah. Um, you know, that stuff, you can totally run interference at the local level with that. Yeah. Because they even say in their documents, it's, um, it's all about local to global. Right. They know the only way to get this thing going is for it to be to be starting at the local level. And they have actually a really tough time in America with that because exactly of our system of self-government, because the citizens are supposed to be so engaged and the public officials have to bring the business to the people by law. They have to. They Mm -hmm. have to get consensus, um, they actually say that that is one of the reasons America is kind of behind the rest of the world in uh, the this sort of social behavior change and uh, in the promoting of sustainable development and the green agenda. So, but you can totally get to that at the local level because it all comes down in regulations. Okay. Codes, codes okay. Like that. All right. Now, but things like geoengineering or even, um, the, um, vaccines that right. topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, um, and even, you know, dealing with, uh, if you're someone who doesn't believe in anthropogenic global warming, for example, man caused global warming, those, those issues are really tough and I think are often best left to the big uh, non-governmental organizations who are fighting those things, the people that have kind of risen to the top. And then what you can become as a surrogate for the message um, so that more and more people are informed. If you live close to your capital, your state capital, um, you know, this is where you get into kind of uh, activism 2.0. You know, can you mm-hmm. do you know how to write policy? You know, propositions. Um, you know, that's when you're you're you've got to get into those higher levels of government where all a lot of these decisions are being made at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. You know, you can begin to develop relationships with your congressman or mm-hmm. woman uh, mm-hmm. to and develop that. You know. Uh, that credibility that professionalism that um, you know you can begin to have an influence there but
1: um, all right we're going to talk yeah. about this in the next hour because this is where it gets really hard everybody hold on for this break and we'll be back to talk to mary baker thanks hold on Everybody, we're back for the second hour of Shadow Citizen. I'm Rachel L. McIntosh. I'm with Mary. Um, I'm sorry, Mary Baker. She's the author of Citizen Ninja: Stand Up to Power. The first hour was really an interesting conversation. We were going on and on about the things that you can do to get yourself into the mindset to be able to communicate better. She gave us some important tips about pegging people so you could kind of categorize what level of communication you're going to be able to have with these people that are around you. And she did talk about some really cool things that you can, if you miss the first hour, it's this whole show is going to be archived. It's going to be on BitChute. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be Vimeo, um, my iTunes channel. uh, Where else? It's all over the darn place, and it's meant to be shared. And so when you get a copy of this, just share it. Okay, so Mary's back. We're going to continue on. We were talking about, I was very interested to talk about words, the power of words. You brought this up over the break, Mary. So let's talk about that.
0: Okay. Well, there are different ways that people are being bullied. And in the, the webinar series in the third week, this is what we focus on. And and the word manipulation and language manipulation that's going on is one of the bully techniques that's being used. And I don't know. Do you know? Have you ever heard of a guy named Edward Bernays? Yes. Him? Okay. Yes. He wrote the book Propaganda in 1928. And in that book, he argued that public relations should not be a gimmick, but it was a necessity. Mm-hmm. And um actually can I just read this quote to you because I yes. think he, Okay so he said the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, and our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. It is they who pull the wires that control the public mind.
1: Ah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh, does that
1: resonate? Yes, absolutely. I hope people heard that because that's... I bring this up in every episode of Shadow Citizen now, and I, I didn't intend for this to happen, but this thing called entrainment that happens through the television—it's um, basically a form of brainwashing where the the television is keeping you at a state of excitement, but at the same time, a state of like fear. It's you've got your one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, and it's keeping you engaged, and you don't want to go away from the TV. But while it's got you in the state, it's basically brainwashing you, and it's called entrainment. And there's this company called NeuroFocus, Neuro and I've talked about this before on other shows. But what you just said is very much that it has to do with advertising and marketing and propaganda.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And it basically what Bernays was saying is don't appeal to the rational part of the mind. Appeal to the unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yep. So citizen ninjas recognize this. They are awake to this, this propaganda and they know, I mean, we know words are powerful. They can be used for ill, for good, to influence public opinion and to counter this intentional manipulation, citizen ninjas know how to recognize when people, strange or familiar, because people are good about parroting things, right? Mm-hmm. That they hear. So they re- learn to recognize when people, organizations, and elected public servants and staff are manipulating the language to persuade the public to agree with their agenda. Because make no bones about it. Very often, the government agency or whatever propaganda is going on, they have, they have an outcome in mind and they are moving you without you realizing it toward that outcome
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they will use language. One of the ways that they do it. And this, that's, why I call it bullying. Right. Um, and, and it can also be called nudging. I have a whole chapter in the book on nudging. This is all falls under the bully tactics. Um, they are going to use words or language to get you to where they want you to go. Um, So one of the ways they do this is they use, you know, this cliche term warm and fuzzy language. Mm -hmm. So they use carefully chosen language to persuade influence, build consensus, uh, ensure compliance of the unsuspecting public. And they do that by using these warm and fuzzy terms to disarm them and and sway them. So, you know, I talked about um, early on when I was talking about how I got to where I am today and I went to this this conference on smart growth and new urbanism. Mm -hmm. Let's just take that term for a minute, smart growth. Okay, when you think about that term, you automatically is like, well, I want to be smart, right? right? I don't want to be dumb. I want smart planning, right? So before you even know what smart growth is, you're in favor. You're like leaning, your bias is moving in that direction because you think, okay, you know, that's smart. That's not dumb. I want to be like that, right? right? So what a citizen ninja does is when they hear a term like smart growth, rather than make an assumption just like, uh, you know, um, I guess just sort of accept the term for what it is, because a citizen ninja knows that that's a warm and fuzzy term.
1: Right. That's that, almost like every law that comes out now from from D.C. as as some anacronym. Yes. And it's like the CARE law. It's like it could stand for something completely different, like the USA Patriot Act. That doesn't right. really... Does, does, oh, my
0: gosh, right?
1: So... They always do these things to make it feel
0: like, yeah. oh, it gives yeah, you a I'm a patriot. I'm a patriot. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I should like that. I'm a patriot. So before you even know what the content is, you're like, okay, that sounds good, you know, because mm-hmm. it's warm mm-hmm. and fuzzy. And so what a citizen ninja does is basically they raise their hand, you know, whether it's literally or virtually, and they say, hold on a minute, what do you mean by that term? What does that mean? And when you get... um. Just somebody in a, in a conversation, and they start parroting terms like that, then you say, well, what, what does that term mean to you? You know, so that we're getting off this assumption that we know, you know, like I was in a, um, I'm part of a uh, an ad hoc committee for the city where I live, and we are looking, I got my seat at that early decision-making table. Good for you, because you're a citizen ninja, That's right nice. on Exactly. Okay, so I'm at the table and the whole the whole thing that we're doing, the project is to look at our main commercial corridor because there's a lot of um, uh, blight there. And so we really it needs to kind of get into this new century. Right. It's just old and falling apart and there's not a lot of incentive for the owners to change things. And so so the city has basically, you know, asked for this the staff to put this ad hoc committee together so we can decide, you know, what, what should be the new specific plan for this commercial quarter? So, so they start talking the consultants, which are class. I mean, consultants know how to facilitate, right? Nudge, move, da, da, da. they're facilitating is what they do. They start talking about smart growth and uh, a town center, so after a couple of meetings of this town center, finally I said, okay, could everyone here, there are 11 of us, plus all the consultants and the staff, whatever, could everyone here please describe what they mean when they say town center? <laughs> oh my goodness, we had we had about seven different definitions of what a town center was. And all along, everyone was just operating in their own belief that everyone else shared the same the same definition the which leads of it. Me, yeah which leads me to the next thing which is definitions mm-hmm. there are words that are being redefined so so take the word consensus for example consensus used to um if you, if you look it in the in the dictionary consensus is about robust public deliberation and arrive with competing positive values and arriving at a place where everyone can agree, right? Mm-hmm. But really what consensus has evolved to or devolved to is a nudging experience where the with the help of a facilitator, consensus is really a nudging experience experience that gets people to move towards the outcome they desire.
1: Okay, can I ask a question? How yeah. if you're in, involved in some sort of group that you've got a facilitator, how can you recognize that you're being nudged?
0: Actually, it's really obvious once you once you're awake and you realize that they're using warm and fuzzy terms mm-hmm. and um, they for example uh, will present their plan and they will present three options. There's hardly any difference between them and there's never an option for other or no. Mm. right there, it's a problem because okay. the public should be able to offer, especially in the beginning, you know if you're if you're getting to these public workshops and you're there, really you should be in the early decision making. Where, you know, you're, you're basically developing the plan, but by the time it gets to the public for that first public workshop where it's still pretty loose, that is where you, there should be still options for other or, and at the end, no, no plan because what they want to do is they will present a plan A, B, or C. There's hardly any difference between them. They all lead to the same outcome, basically. Mm -hmm. They make you feel like there's a choice, Mm -hmm. right? And the words that they use, you know, the warm and fuzzy terms that they use in there. And also, um, uh, you know, they'll use the word like town center, knowing full well that lots of people have different ideas about what a town center is. But they're basically saying, this is the town center that you will want. They'll use language like that. For the future you, we want, you know, they use we, very inclusive.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: It's amazing. Once you, and I talk about it in the book quite a bit. So, you know, you can, you can really learn how it all how, how it's all produced. Um, I mean, essentially, you know, the, that public workshop is not your arena. That's the home team. They are the home team and you are the guest team okay. and they set up the whole scene. It's amazing. And, uh, once you're awake to this, you can, you see it all play out and there's actually a way to, to defeat this. Um, and, uh, there 's a woman by the last name of Eastman who talks about it you can um, people can google it ekman ekman beverly ekman e a k m a n she has fantastic um, bunch of Google uh, YouTube videos on um, the science of these manipulations and how to combat it. How oh to oh gosh, great! It. Yeah. Um, now I talk about a little bit in my book, you know, but again, this book is a basic. It's a primer for effective, mm-hmm. you know, engagement. Um, you know, I'm not. I want it to be quick. I want you to be done reading this book in two days and out the door, ready to go. Good. You know, I, yeah, I want quick. I don't want you to labor. <laughs> right. I don't want you to labor to get out. I want you quick. You know, with some really good fundamentals, you know, to get out there. So, so the changing of definitions is one way, the warm and fuzzy terms, and then the other one is soft language. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people will say people are so apathetic. You know, they're just really not, um, engaging. You know, what is wrong with people? They're lazy. They're this or that. Or you hear, whoa, you know, these people are way extreme, you know. And that's because the language that's being used, they're choosing when to alarm people and when not to alarm people. Mm-hmm. So when people are alarmed, when they use direct language, you know, like Alex Jones.
1: Okay. okay. For, for example. Okay. For yeah, example,
0: Alex Jones or even... Um, Uh, Bernie Sanders, you know, direct language, boom. Okay, people get alarmed. right? It's like, whoa, whoa, this is, I've got to do something. But then you get the soft language, you know, that often the mainstream media will use. Mm -hmm. That's not direct language. That doesn't um, alarm people when they really should be alarmed, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Using the term "overseas contingency" as a way to describe an invasion. Right.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Like, oh, okay, it's no big deal. Oh, it's just an overseas contingency. contingency. But really, what is this? It's an invasion. Holy yeah. cow! We need to pay attention.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: You know, so, so you're that right. The way, way they
1: the the word crafting is this, yeah. yeah. And if they want to really freak the people out to move them in a certain direction, they will start saying. War. Yes. Instead of the contingency. Terror. For you know. Terror. Yeah. Right. We don't even right. say war anymore because what's what's the pro- we don't even declare war anymore, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, we just go and do what we gotta do, I guess. Yeah.
0: I mean like think of terms like gun violence. Mm-hmm. I have this awesome illustration in my book about what gun violence looks like. Mm-hmm. It's a gun brandishing two guns. <laughs> yes right Be- because it's not the gun that's violent it's the person who's violent right. and so so when people say gun violence well what does that really mean? like what are you saying? what is that gun violence? yeah how about, got- how, about, how about boots on the ground Yeah how about that. Yes, if that, yes, because of what I did for a living. I worked for a defense contractor. I am so sick of boots on the ground. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wait a minute. Is that boots coming down from, you know, parachutes onto the ground or is that soldiers with limbs blown off? I mean, like, let's get real about what is boots on the ground. They are people. They are soldiers, you know, going to war, you know, putting themselves at risk. This boots on the ground is just talk about warm and fuzzy. I mean, You know. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is the kind of thing. And when you hear somebody using terms like that, just say, you know what? What do you mean by that? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. I just want to get on the same page with you. You know, and you can do that with elected officials. You keep using that term. You ever see um, the movie? Oh, my gosh. Now I'm spacing the, the uh, Princess Bride. Princess okay. Bride. Okay. Did you see that movie? Gosh. Oh, my gosh. Rachel. I think I did, but I don't Rachel. think I <laughs> Yeah, go on. Okay, or in this movie, this one character says, you keep using that word, but I don't think it means exactly what you think it means. <laughs> and so that's kind of what you do as a ninja. You go, you keep using that term, but I'm not sure. Can you just can you define that term for me? Because I'm not sure I'm following you. Right, no, and this and is while you're, you're, you're at the cocktail.
1: Right, you're at the cocktail party with your yeah. Merlot. And, and the other person says, Why don't I take you for coffee?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, that's – citizen ninjas then aren't just assuming – they're not making assumptions. They are actually – the way that everyone's getting on the same page is to say you're at a meeting and you say you keep saying that word, economic development. What What do you mean when you say that? Instead of everyone having their own definition or their own perception of what economic development is, you know, then let's hear what how you're defining that. So we could all be on the same page. That's, right. I mean, talk about transparency.
1: Yeah, that, that would be huge, actually. It would be because then I'd be like, oh, this is what we're talking about. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it just gets, then it feels less manipulative. You, right. know, you feel like okay, we're all on the same page. This is what we're talking about. This is how you defined it. I have you on tape.
1: Right. <laughs> now, is that the other thing too? Are you allowed to bring in your? I mean, not that it would matter, but we like your phone or your. Can yes. you record these things? It's public, record, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can record these meetings. Uh huh. Okay. That's written in the transparency law. So you, it, depending on the state that you're in, you just go. You figure. You go and find out what those. What those, uh, laws are regarding meetings, what your rights are as a citizen, and then you have it. And then if someone tells you you can't, or that you have to state your name before you get up there, you don't have to do that. You don't? You don't have to state your name, no.
1: Oh. Okay. Well, why, so, why wouldn't you want to do that though?
0: You, I, I always do. Right. I mean, because everyone knows me, you know, it's like, that's the thing too, is that if you're doing your job as a citizen ninja, everyone knows you right. Um, so that you're because you're an influencer, you know, right. you've got credibility. They look to you when, when, you know, you have 50 people going up there on a topic of, of whatever, a new planning a housing development, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you have 30 people again against it. And, you know, 10 people are for it and you're one of the 10 and you get up there. well, they may not listen, you know, to other people, but as soon as you get up there, they listen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, because you develop that credibility. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. regardless of the party, because these are non, these are non, uh, party, nonpartisan positions, right? I mean, you know, which party they're from, you know, that they're supposedly, you know, but yeah, they'll, they'll
1: they roll in kind of in mass and yeah. like they're hanging There's, out together and, yeah. You're
0: supposed to be nonpartisan, but so it doesn't matter. You want to develop a relationship with all of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: you shouldn't just pick the ones that are from your party. You need to find a way to have conversations with all of them because they are representing you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it doesn't, it, that shouldn't matter. What matters is that you've developed credibility so that you have a lasting dialogue. And when you get up there, they listen to you because they trust you. They know you're vetted. Mm-hmm. They, they know that you're presenting you know, a good and you go up there sometimes and you say, "Hey, good job, too." You know, because these poor people, they get up there. <laughs> you know, they're just uh, you know constantly being yelled at, and it's very once in a while it's really nice to get up there and say, "Hey, really good job." You know, last week you voted on da da da. You know, I think that's that's terrific. That's now, you really you the community
1: you just said something last you last week. You just how often are you rolling into these things, Mary?
0: Um, I don't roll into them all the time. I pay attention to the agenda, uh-huh. and if there's something on the agenda where I want to make a public comment, I go. If it's something where I just want to hear what the deliberation is, I watch it on on their live stream okay. or they recorded. it because you. Okay. So, and you know what? The for example, our school district didn't. They had the recording that you could get to eventually, but they didn't have live stream. So I went and I said, you guys. You all believe in transparency, so why don't you have a live stream here? You can definitely afford it. Next thing you know, up it goes. And so now, you know, you can watch it uh, live from wherever you are. You know, I sometimes I've been traveling, and I want to know what's going on because there's a topic of interest, and I just watch it. I mean, it's kind of hardcore, but I do. I watch it live from wherever I am because I can through my phone. All right. Is
1: that just in California, though? Because I'm thinking, do we have that here in Rhode Island?
0: Well, you should. If you don't, you should make it happen.
1: I okay. I know that. I know they have um, traffic court. They do that, <laughs> and that's <laughs> kind of humorous to watch these people come in and pay their traffic bills. But um, yeah, I'll have to look into that. I didn't know that. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, if if in your state or in your district. Mm-hmm. They are not recording their meetings, or they are not live stream streaming their meetings. Mm-hmm. That is something you should change, have changed right away.
1: Okay. Oh, I I might just be completely ignorant to this. I could see yeah. people call, calling me up. You're like, gosh, darn it. You just click on this, and it's there. But I didn't know that it,
0: that happened. But okay, yeah. I'll look into that. Well, okay, good. So one of the best ways to, to get them to do things like that is to say, to get them to say, You ask the question, do you believe in transparent government? What elected official is going to say no to that? Or what candidate is -hmm. going to say no to that? None of them. Of course they believe in transparency. If they say no, they're not going to get voted in. So you get them to agree that they believe in transparency. Now you go up in a public comment and you say, how great it is that you believe in transparent government. Don't you think it's about time you have live streaming? <laughs>
1: right. Okay. And then they'll bust into like, well, once we get our 5G installed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Come on. They should be there already. No, That's I, I think it's some, prob- some little prob- communities.
1: But. Yeah, they probably are. I just don't know what level that is, what it's at. If it's in the cities, town. Maybe they are. Maybe I'm just completely ignorant. Um, but on top of this though, if people are listening in on this and it's you know, this is you want to you want to go to her website. It's the T H E Marybaker.com. Okay, go to that website, themarybaker.com, and you can see her full background. She is a machine. This woman is a machine. And we haven't really talked about the issues that she does personally, but she was very, very concerned that people didn't know how to deal with the government and to be a good citizen, and it got to the fact that she needed people to know to be shadow, not shadow citizens anymore, like my show is about people that are just hanging out in the shadows watching all this, but she wants everybody to be a citizen ninja, and I want you to go there, check it out, and you can buy her book at her website or on Amazon. It's fantastic, honestly, from what I've seen so far, it's absolutely amazing, and i want we've got how much more here we've got oh we've got like another half hour beautiful so we're going to keep talking to her um i think it's important once again this what she just said about words and how they're changing words around and how you can become aware that maybe you're being manipulated by the words that they're using if the, for instance i don't want to pull up an actual group or but i can think of so many instances where the warm, fuzzy stuff is there to engage, to kind of make people feel comfortable, and then they scoop you in.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's why you have to ask for clarity. You know, what, yeah. what is it that you you really mean when you say road diets? What does that mean? Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> literally a term, a planning term now. Road diets. But what does well, it what does it mean? What does it well? Mean? Road diets means that um, they are bumping out corners of blocks out to create um, a shorter distance for the pedestrian path to walk from one corner to the other. Do you know what I mean? So you're going no. down the road and then no. the corner bumps out into the road.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And, and it creates a shorter distance. Uh, for the pedestrians to cross. So it's just a safety thing, you know, or, or like road calming. You know, you saw, I saw a sign that went by one day, road calming in process. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Road calming. So I called them up. What is road calming?
1: It's the opposite of road rage, obviously.
0: <laughs> well, what it is, it's putting in a uh, like a a, uh what do you call it shoot uh, a landscape piece in the middle of the road oh, okay kind of slow like an esplanade down it just okay. so that people aren't driving as fast because it's just the yellow line. Uh-huh. instead they're putting in this like little landscape thing in okay. the middle and it kind of slows people down and they were putting it actually in the area of a school. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so, but this is what I mean. It's just like, well, what does that mean? Let's not just make an assumption. We know what it means. You know, let's, let's ask for clarity. And you know, earlier I was talking about how it's important to adapt and speak the same language. That's another countermeasure, right? For the ninja is to listen, to peg, to listen to the language that the person is using, engage kind of what their culture, what the culture is of where they're from
1: is this yeah. like when politicians go on the road during campaigns and start talking like they are from the south <laughs> no
0: well okay. you mean because they're adapting to the yeah, yeah, yeah I've, you've seen these clips of it's different true. politicians
1: going to texas all of a sudden they sound like they're texas or they're down in some yeah. state at some like community church all of a sudden they sound like a black person it's like what, what is going on
0: yeah so political language comes with a political culture Right. And okay. so and they're tied together. And so if you're trying to communicate with someone, it's incumbent upon the citizen ninja to adapt their language, to adjust so that their communication can happen. Because that's what you want. You want communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the way to do that is, is to adjust. Because um, once you understand what their partiality is or their prejudice then you can go there and then get them to talk about why they have the position they have. And, and then, and then you can, you know, use their language to explain why you have the position. It's amazing that people are so sensitive, you know, in a lot of ways when it mm-hmm. comes to their opinions. Yeah. Um, but a citizen ninja adapts to that and, and that's awesome because what you want is communication. It's not insincere. It's actually, uh, I think a very, um, uh, a very thoughtful, uh, way to have civil political discourse.
1: Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Is it exhausting for you though sometimes, Mary? No, it's super fun.
0: Oh, good, good. All right, it, good. It, I mean, I am. Uh, I mean, I just, um, it's a it's completely a full time job for me because mm-hmm. I'm not only teaching people how to be effective, because that matters to me. I think if if I could, my goal is to get 2,000 citizen ninjas trained by the end of the year.
1: Well, you've already I, got
0: what 800, right? Yeah. If I can, if I can get there, and this can just be exponential. Imagine really what it could mean uh, for our country. Because let me talk to you a little bit about role modeling. Okay. OK, so this is a really important sort of byproduct of being a citizen ninja is the impact that you have around you. Not because of the because of what you're doing, but because of how you're doing it. So in the book, I have this one example where uh, in this most of the examples in the book are actually true examples. They come from from my experiences or from people I've trained or who I work with, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but sometimes in order to illustrate a point, I kind of pull different examples together to craft a story that really can illustrate what I'm talking about. So in this particular story, Citizen Ninja Raymond is going to a council meeting where one of the items on the agenda is to, uh, on a two lane road, To make one of the lanes fully accessible to bikes so that, so that, you know, a biker or let's say there were five bikers can all have one lane. They can be in that lane with the cars, not off to the side in their little tiny bike lane. You know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm, So one whole
0: car lane can also be occupied by a bike. Okay. So Raymond goes and this is the discussion. Now his concern. because he's got a fact that he looked up, and I ta- I say it's the EPA, but it's actually a fact that comes from the California Air Resources Board, card. and and he, you know, in studying on this issue, he saw one of their graphs shows that if if there's uh, if when the car slows down, emissions go up between certain rp R, uh, rpms of the vehicle. And so his concern is if they take this one lane and they allow bikes to be in it, then isn't that going to create congestion? And when the cars slow down, emissions are greater and now it's unhealthy for the bikers. Right. So so he's going and he is really kind of against the plan. But he notices because he's in his assessed zone. Right. And he has the power of Mm self-restraint. He sees that the majority of people who are there are, want this because they're bikers and they want to, to have a full lane so that it's less dangerous for them. My husband's a biker. So, you know, this is, <laughs> you know, he's like, ah, I want that lane. Okay. So, so, I, so he's like, okay, I am in the minority. It looks like, and this is the majority and they're pretty passionate about it. So is it really the right time for me to speak to, about this emotionally? Or is it really better for me, because I'm a citizen ninja, to present this fact that comes from the California Air Resources Board? So this is when it's his turn to talk, this is what he presents. And what happens, and it's actually not a council meeting, this is a town hall setting where people can chat and talk. So now the argument then for the bikers, it's like, hmm, he kind of has a point and maybe we need to talk about, you know, how we can mitigate this issue. But then what I do is I introduce a non-citizen ninja and his name is Peter. He's just a regular guy and he's a landscaper. And he's looking at this plan and he's thinking this is going to have a huge impact on my productivity for my business. Because if there's increased congestion, I'm not, there's going to be more traffic and I'm not going to be able to get to where I want to go and get as many jobs done in one day. That's going to be reduced income for me. That's a legitimate complaint. Mm-hmm. But instead of going and getting facts that support, you know, his issue, he goes in here and he, and, and he just, uses false logic arguments an ad hominem attack. He starts attacking bikers, saying they're stupid, whatever, you know, completely emotional. And then what happens is the bikers gang up on him, right? Mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. because it's now, it's now digressed into this emotional argument. Instead of it being on this higher level of arguing around facts and these competing positive values of we want a bike have more safety. Yeah. But if we do this, maybe we're inhaling more pollution. Right. Right. So. So this is the part that people miss. That Citizen Ninja Raymond, people are watching him. They're watching him and they're thinking, wow, you know, um, that's he's role modeling for people. And they are like, you know what? He's got a really great approach. Great argument. And what it does is it inspires people then to speak, right? Because they can see that there can be civil discourse, even if you disagree because we've got competing positive values. But Peter, he's not role modeling. Well, because what's happening, he's being attacked. So if people are upset about this bike lane conversion, They're not going to talk and they don't have facts back. They're going to look at him and go, oh, my God, I'm not going to say a word because I don't want to get attacked. You know, I don't want. And so what you have to realize as a citizen ninja, you you're engaging and you're doing your thing. But you the byproduct of it is that you are actually role modeling proper engagement versus the other, which is negative and comes with all kinds of problems, a negative impact. Versus positive impact, and that is uh, when people realize this. I mean, that that's like that's transformative when you begin to realize that. So in this grows
1: right. So in this situation with this bike path thing, would the guy who wanted the bike path then say to the other guy who's has you know it's kind of making them feel bad bullying? How does he, you said he's got to, he's got to act, he's got to role model this out. Is, should he be asking him to, when you told the story, I'm like, why doesn't the landscaper guy calm the road and they could put a bike path in the common part of the road so then he could have a job landscaping the whole damn thing and then people could drive their bikes on it and it would be perfect.
0: Right? A win win? Yeah. Um, you know, it isn't the Citizen Ninja's responsibility to go and, you know, get other people out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the byproduct that you realize, and, and, and this is why I have fun with it, really, is because I know that I'm being effective and I'm having a positive impact in my community. Um, because it's not that I get my way all the time, right? right. We don't. It's not always going to go your way. But at least if you're engaging in the right way, you can influence it. Right. You can influence the outcome. People say, hey, she
1: had a good point.
0: Yeah. And he, and maybe the next thing he does, because this is one of the citizen ninja rules is to offer constructive solutions. Right. It's not good enough to just go in there and say no. Well, what is that? You, you have to go in and give constructive solutions to back up that no. Well, if it's not going to be that way, then what is it going to be? Right. Because just like you don't want them saying no to you. You know, you you want this, what uh, this one guy I heard taught. he calls it the grown zone. You know, you, that grown zone, even though it's difficult, that's a good place to be because everyone is deliberating on these positive, these competing positive values.
1: That's it's a not- good way to look at that. I love that. The grown zone. Everybody's competing on positive
0: values. Yes. Good. Yes. Yeah, I like as that right there. As long as they're there. presented in a way... You know, that isn't um, that isn't using this is the other bully tactic or these false logic arguments where you're using appeal to emotion or you're just at hom- at hominem, you know, argumentum, you're insulting people or you're throwing down strawman arguments. And, you know, I talk about all these different types of fallacies that are often used to get people to, to shift, you know,
1: mm-hmm, their, mm-hmm. In, in
0: a different direction. Um so as long as it's it's presented the way I just described, that's great. But um, and what you're doing then is you're role modeling healthy public deliberation, and that has a huge impact. I mean, that can just that that can change a whole culture of a community when you have people doing that. That just builds trust. It builds communication. I mean, really, the the byproduct of proper civic engagement. It, it, it's, it's exponential, really, if it can be done. That's why I want to, I, I'm trying to train as many people as I can because I just think that that, that, you know, pebble in the pond, the ripple effect, I think could, I mean, I just can imagine. It, yeah, great. it's
1: going to be totally worth it. How do we get to sign up for that, Mary?
0: Okay, so I partnered with this wonderful author named Patrick Wood. And we met at a conference. In Sacramento, he was presenting a problem and I was presenting a solution. And for the first time, he's like, finally, somebody with a solution on how to engage. So um, we working together. If you go to his website, technocracy.news forward slash solutions, uh there you can basically sign up say i'm interested in uh, getting in on these webinars we just started uh, last night was um uh series 2 of our you know our next series and it was number 1 it's four parts 2 hours every week it's a month long commitment once a week for 2 hours and it's 50 bucks and you get the book signed by me and the training manual which is a pdf we send each section to you every week, and um, we will. I think we're going to already open the next class in a couple weeks. I think oh, that's where it goes. So if you just sign up, put your name in there. When the next class comes around, the next webinar, then you will get the information, and then you can sign up.
1: Awesome! You know, we did interview Patrick Wood recently, and we talked about technocracy. So this is really, really cool. Okay, so. Everybody's gotta go to technocracy, technocracy.news.
0: Yes. Slash, slash, slash solutions. solutions.
1: Okay, and we go there, we sign up for it. It's one week for two, it's two hours each week. But yeah. it, the whole thing's a month. Yeah. Okay, and it's $50. Yes. I think, wow, that's pretty decent.
0: Is, pay, and you get the book, uh, signed autographs. by you. It's a collector's yeah. item. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And the training manual because during the webinar um, you know we I'm it's a place where you can take notes and it's just a good um, a good uh, resource for you to look back on plus we record them. We record the sessions which are available to the attendees for a month following i think 2 weeks to 4 weeks i can't remember of following the end of the webinar so that you can go back and and you know rehash through some things and then also there's live Q&A uh where you can ask your questions and i can answer them and you also have connection with me for 4 weeks where you can email me uh or patrick with questions and um you know so it's it's really it's they're pretty amazing yeah. yeah
1: this sounds fantastic i'm really really happy for you and i'm happy for him too this sounds fantastic and i am going to sign up for it i'll be this thing um <laughs> i will uh now what i was going to say oh gosh i think um gosh i just wish everybody would do this because i do think it's really important i think things have kind of fallen apart especially since the last election um In my opinion, it's very difficult to communicate with people these days. And I just want people to know, too, that what you're doing, it's not it's it's not based on political party like you can't. It's not just for Republicans. It's not just for Democrats. It's for everybody that's trying to affect change in a positive way. Exactly. Because like they could come together in that grown area. Eventually, you want to get to that grown area that you talked about where everybody's working towards the right solution for their own community.
0: Exactly. Um, You know, civil society, which is us, you know, and the associations that we, uh, that we are bound to, that we elect to be a part of, right? Where we bring like-minded people together in an association, that's civil society. And Mm -hmm. it's so important to community. Um, And, but that civil society and the codes of conduct right now, they're totally being eclipsed by this mob rule that's mm-hmm. going on, this yelling and screaming and attacking and, um, you know, intolerance of, of differing opinions, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, even in the political chambers, you know, it's going on. I mean, they're not role modeling good civil, you know, discourse at all. And, um, so, because of all that, it kind of created, and, and a lot of that, by the way, I don't know. You ever heard of Saul Alinsky and the book yeah. he wrote, "Rules for Radicals"? Yes,
1: yes, I've heard it mentioned. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So a lot of a lot of the behavior that we're seeing right now is is uh, very reminiscent of his twelve rules. I mean, those rules include things like the use of ridicule to force people into concession or. Um, they, they increase insecurity, anxiety, and uncertainty, you know, so people don't feel confident. They feel afraid, um, they, they isolate opponents and, and cut off supporters. You know, they, um, and, and his rules, you know, talk about picking the target, freezing it, personalizing it, polarizing it. I mean, that's just nasty stuff, mm-hmm. You know, but it works. It totally works.
1: It does work. You know why it works? Yeah. Well, I probably have shared this story before, but, um, I went, I was a Ron Paul delegate for 2007, 2008 and 2012, alternate both times. And, um, Ron Paul gave us political training in 2007 and eight, those years, and he came out and he talked to us. But right at the beginning, we were all so excited, like, oh, my gosh, it's Ron Paul. You know, it's like our hero, you know, and he explained to us that politics in general is a very, it's a very aggressive and nasty game. He said a lot of people aren't cut out for it, um, but there'll be other things that you can do to help spread the words of liberty. And then he said, that's why I put this training seminar together for you guys and, when he did that, he introduced all these people and they started... By the end of the... I was taking copious notes because I was representing the rest of the people back in Rhode Island. I got back and I shared my notes and everybody was like, I don't want to do that. They were taking those rules for radicals. And this is how politics at that national level, when you get up to a, like a presidential campaign and people are campaigning, it's very, very dirty. And uh, would, I can I believe it when you said they're bullying. They actually are, and they are um, cutting people off and making them feel, uh, you know, just the other. That's a very important thing to make people feel isolated and the other, like tinfoil hat, or you're, you know, they're trying to make people feel like they're not up to par to even be in that room. And that that's coming from my experience um, those years with the Ron Paul campaign and seeing that. Even that man was saying, "This is I don't like to even talk about this, but this is why I hired these people. So I'm glad to see that you have a book and you're doing this thing so that people can be true to themselves and not have to do the whole thing about making people feel bad and cutting them down yeah. and engaging with people on a very personal, wonderful level that I think what you're doing is so important, Mary. Thank
0: you. Thanks. And you know what? There's no one doing it at the level that I'm doing it. This basic, this basic level that is just foundational to, you can just, the world is your oyster. Once you capture the Citizen Ninja Way, the world is your oyster from there. And, and it is just so effective if you're faithful to it. It's so effective that you just, you will, you will just begin to develop your own uh, system, you know that works for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, using these foundational principles, and uh, just based on your skills and your talents and your interests, uh, you will just grow from it. And uh, and then, as you're going to be effective, then want to do what you're doing. They will okay. want
1: to, you know, oh, oh, Mary, we're losing you. You sound like you cut off there for a little bit.
0: I said. Uh, they'll want to emulate you.
1: Right. Right.
0: And, and this is, this is, this is great. I mean, this is what we want and we want activism to be sustaining. Yes. We want it to be that daily habit And that, that actually that term daily habit came from Alexis de Tocqueville. He said that activism had to be a daily habit, just like brushing your teeth, something that you do every day, obviously not super intense every day, but some little something that you're doing, whether it's research or making a statement or bringing an argument that's going on on a Facebook post back to the original argument. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yes.
1: The (laughs) Facebook thing. Oh, my gosh. I think that's part of the problem, really. People, they're so used to being just looking at a screen in their own home. And you. I remember when movie theaters, people were like, Because they were used to getting the movies at home now because they had HBO or whatever. And you go to the movie theaters and people would just be talking like they were at home. They still do it, I guess. I don't really go to the movies that much. But now we're at this mindset of I'm just on a computer. There's no real person on the other side and I can just blast whatever and just make people feel really bad. And I think once again, I think learning the techniques that you're going to give people – is really important because this yeah. is this is reality now for people.
0: Well, Facebook, I call it the modern water cooler. Yeah, yeah. It's the modern water cooler. And my husband, we own a business and he works so much. He doesn't have time, right, to do some of the things that, that I'm proposing to engage at the local municipal level. Mm-hmm. But there are other ways to engage and I talk about it in the book. I talk about different measures of engagement and the different intensities. And, um, what he does, he does his Facebook thing. He, you know, will open up a discussion and he, it's known now on his Facebook page that we're going to have civil discourse. It doesn't matter if you disagree, but we're going to have civil discourse on this topic. And when he goes and he sees that there's, you know, this ridiculous, Uh, fallacy-type arguments going on in a different post, then he'll go, you know what, guys, why don't we get back to the main argument here, which is da-da-da-da, you know? And so, I mean, even that is doing something for the good of America.
1: (laughs) Right, right, it's true. If everybody just, oh, gosh, it really could be life-changing for all of us if everybody got on board with this type of thinking. And that made me think one last thing before we wrap everything up. We've got, I don't know, a few minutes left. You said that the difference on the break, you told me a little bit about the difference between the European way of dealing with things and the American way of dealing with things. Do you think that by doing what we're doing, we're going to become more European or just be more exemplary Americans? Like, Tell me about that difference short, briefly.
0: Well, remember, I was just a kid when I was there. Yeah. You yeah. haven't lived there with the current, you know, policies and politics mm-hmm. in place. But um, I go back to just look at the results of the revolutions that we had, the Russian Revolution, the French Revolution and the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. The American Revolution, they those revolutionaries, they were citizen ninjas, weren't they? Mm-hmm. They were just regular people who had to fight a mighty A mighty, uh, army, the British, organized, well-costumed, armed, fed, and they had to, they had to, uh, break, break the traditional rules of battle in order to win. You know, they had to get, they had to be more nimble. They had to be more ad hoc, you know, not so, um, uh, patterned and and deliberate you know and and that's really what i'm talking about here it's like let's not repeat the stale uh the stale activists you know traditional approach let's get a little bit um uh, let's get a little bit feisty and that right that on. is america that is america right
1: on well thank you mary baker Thank you, and I hope everyone will go to themarybaker.com and check out the training at technocracy.news slash solutions. Mary Baker, thank you very much, and I want to thank my audience once again for a great night. It's been a pleasure. See you next week.